Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are all bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and on today's show, I'm handing over the reins to Senior Solutions Marketing Manager at Avaya, Laura Fottenberry. At the Avaya Engage Users Conference, we had a discussion with some key Avaya experience builders. Laura moderated the panel, and some of the participants may sound familiar to listeners of the experience. Panelists included Chief Marketing Officer for Avaya, Simon Harrison, Professor at Clemson University, Dr. Alex Feltis, Chief Product Officer at Toolwire, David Clark, CEO and co-founder of Journey AI, Brett Shockley, Vice President of Strategy and Technology at Converged One, David Lover, and Senior Director of U.S. Experience Builders at Avaya, Tim Gogol. Today, we listen in as they discuss how partners and customers are using experience thinking to accelerate digital transformation and elevate the employee and customer experience. They explore how the Avaya Experience Builders community is sharing an inspiring commitment to collaboration and a passion for driving innovation. It's a star-studded panel, and we're bringing it to you in its entirety. Let's get started. So, Laura, I'm a little bit nervous about being on the stage with you because you started your career as a news reporter in TV presenting, right? Yes. I've got to, I've got to up my game to keep, you know, keep up with you. That's a fantastic way to uh, start out. And w- this is the bar that we set, people, when it comes to marketing, right? Our CPAS marketing leader is also a TV presenter. Just saying. Yeah, so, I was a reporter in Wilmington, North Carolina for wow. several years. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, every day was a completely new experience, and I never knew how my days were going to go. But speaking of experiences, tell me a little bit about what Avaya Experience Builders means to you. Oh, it means so much. I mean, we developed and created the future of the communication and collaboration world through the OneCloud platform. And the innovation, speed to value applications, exploiting the power of the API economy, enabling end user and system developers, being able to compose these things needs a different approach when it comes to the people. Or there's an opportunity to do it so much better or uh, really differently. And that's how I see the experience builders. You don't do the old canned app, project management consultancy implement and disconnected teams thing. Let's create a fusion team across channel technology partners, customers, and via people, and start thinking in in terms of experience uh, thinking, experience and outcome ambitions, and put together the kind of, you know, thinking out loud sort of dynamics that that enable many different experience builders to start to create their own combinatorial innovations. I'm gonna get told off for saying that, by the way. Combinatorial innovation. It's not that bad a word, right? It does make sense. Oh, good grief. That's the analyst. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, But yeah, I've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with some really inspiring experience builders. So let's go ahead and uh, bring them out on stage now. So please join me in welcoming David Clark James IV, Dr. Alex Feltis from Clemson University, Brett Shockley from Journey, 
David Lover from Converge One, Tim Gogol from Avaya, and then Simon, if you'll take a seat as well. Please participate with us. As you've heard throughout the morning, we're all experienced builders. And these panelists have some really great examples of how they work together to bring different experiences and solutions to life. So let's get started. All right, so first, I want to talk to you, David. Awesome. So you wanted to use AI to make learning more engaging. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts behind how you even thought that was possible. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously education in the last couple of years has completely been reinvented and turned upside down. So we felt like AI had a lot of value in things like curation. You could go out and find interesting content and have the machine learn over time what content's working and not working. Assessments, there's ways that you can use AI to make assessment more scalable and in many ways automate the instructor experience. Engagement, things like micro rewards and, and predictive models and analytics can be used with AI to help keep the students engaged and, and understand different ways that, you know, that learning could be fun for them. But I think the most important thing about AI and learning is that it's there to serve the student and the instructor and not to try and replace them. So no robot teachers, Alex. <laughs> uh, we just want to try and help give them the time, the, the students and the instructors, especially online, give them the time to make that human connection, which is the most important part. And that's a good segue too, Alex. So Alex, you know, a lot of schools and universities had to scramble to put remote learning solutions in place once the pandemic hit. And I know you were already working on something, but how did you kind of work with David and, and get that moving? Yeah, so I, I taught a class for 12 years at a, a university. It's a genetics course. And I needed to uh, be able to expand that out and be able to do more, more in-depth deep dives into what, the way I do my teaching. I met David at Toolwire a couple of years ago, and it was right before the pandemic, perfect time for me to be able to transition my content onto an online platform. I needed to do it anyway, because I want to do more hands-on experiential labs. My wife's a Montessori teacher. I want to do more of that kind of work with what I'm doing. And so the platform was there with the device basis to be able to go in and, and transform what I'm doing instead of being a boring teacher in front of the classroom. I can put a little bit of my boring on the platform, but then be able to expand it out and uh, make it more exciting, and the students really responded really well to it. Well, and there's never a one-size-fits-all answer, right? So blended learning is key in these solutions where, you know, you can't just have asynchronous, you can't just have in-person, so I don't know if you want to... Yeah, you brought a girly... That, that's a cool term we've not talked about before. You put the boring in the platform, uh, and, <laughs> and it Sorry. plays so well. No, that's great. It plays so well with the asynchronous and synchronous. For the longest time, you know, these learning experience platforms have come out that are trying to reinvent the learning experience. Uh, many people just, when they went online, they took the classroom experience, the old tried and true, and they put it online. And you know that whole virtual classroom experience didn't work. And so we were trying to find ways to take the boring, right, and augment it with some of that collaboration. That's where Spaces came in. And they, you know, they really revolutionized the whole blend by bringing the, the collaboration, the virtual classroom into the platform that was doing a good job with assessments and labs and all of those types of things. But again, it, it wasn't as connected as we were able to make it once spaces came in. And now when you bring those two together, it's really powerful. I mean, one plus one equals five at that point. What I love about what David said is, is, is this not trying to recreate the classroom. Right. Mm. Make it a whole lot better. Gamification, dashboards and insights to improve the ability to learn and so on. As an experience builder, that was a pretty cool experience to build, David, I'm going to be honest. 
Really it, well it was, and if it wasn't for the APIs and it wasn't for Avaya kind of you know reinventing itself you know in this way, you know we wouldn't have been able to create a unified cloud-based experience that now has everything people need for this you know 360 learning opportunity, and the students are loving it. I yeah. mean, the reaction you got 102 students in a bioinformatics class at Clemson, that I taught by myself that you taught by yourself. Yeah. You're getting the best scores you've ever gotten. They're getting really good jobs. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm getting some feedback, actually. A lot of my students go into the biotech industry and they go to medical school and things like that. And they're starting to say, have interviews where they were, the people were impressed by their, their skill set. So I'm actually doing a little bit of workforce development in higher ed, which we need more of. What I find interesting is maybe not everybody here is in education, but we're all in education. I think of all the contact centers and the customer experience centers that we have. And one of the interesting trends that's happening, right? We all know the, the mass resignation, everybody's leaving and contact centers are struggling to find agents. And so they're having to get agents in. They don't have six months to train them up. They have to go fast. They have to get them ready. And so this idea of on-demand learning, this hits everybody. You know, not just in in you know in higher ed or, or K through twelve. This Mostly everybody that are just yeah. in time in just the in flow time. of work. Those are our those are our buzzwords for the day. Well, and I know <laughs> so a lot of you guys have worked together, and it is you know cross industries, right? Like experiences don't just stay within whatever industry you're in. So Brett, I know you actually met David at Jitex in Dubai this year, and you guys didn't know each other, and you saw each other's demos. Talk a little bit about that. Just before you answer, Brett, I'm going to have to say they didn't just meet, right? We was at the giant tank stand. It was like these two running together as they were a recently married couple. I know. Because it was both so desperate to see what the other one was demonstrating and the experiences they built. It was a little weird. It was, uh, it was a little weird. Let's it was be a little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was. Slow motion. And there's a magnetism that it was a warm experience builders to each other. You'll all experience this. It was sort of an exotic experience. Yeah. <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> we were over in uh, Dubai at uh, Jitex, huge global conference. Um, first really big conference in person that I'd been to in two years. We were on stage uh, in the uh, in the booth giving demos on identity. I had, uh, you know, how exciting is identity? But actually, identity is underneath everything we do. And trusted identity is actually key to building amazing customer experiences, while managing the security, getting rid of the fraud and protecting all of your data privacy. We always talk about digital exhaust and we get nervous when we do things like fill out clear applications mm. to come to yeah. events like this Which and things like did. that. So you have to really think about identity, but if you do it right, you can completely transform the customer experience at the same time, drive up the security to the point where you eliminate most of the fraud and you can control the data. Because in most cases, we don't actually need to know all the data, you know, think of a call center agent with like 12 different screens going with your, the entire life history of the customer. The example in cryptography is that, you know, my daughter turns 21, she goes into a bar for her first drink and she's got to hand her driver's license to some guy that looks just a little bit questionable. And he's now got her name, her birth date and her address. And all he really needs to know is she's over 21. We have the same kind of thing in contact centers every single day. They don't really need to know your address or your social security number or your credit card number. They just know that it's true, that the payment happened and things like that. And so managing this in sort of a network-based approach is something that allows us to integrate in these composable experiences with everybody else here uh, on stage and down in the uh, conference. And so David and I were uh, looking at each other's demos over in Dubai, and he's doing this really amazing new learning experience. I'm showing all of my identity stuff, and we started chatting about it, and it's like, well, gee, we need to know 
who it is that's getting trained. You know, is the person we hired the one that showed up that's now going into the training class? Are they sitting there or are they just clicking, you know, go to the next step? You know, how do you proctor things remotely? So there's all kinds of identity issues around it. And then also, what do you do with the data and how do you protect it so that it doesn't end up in a database someplace that everybody's gonna uh, hack into and steal? And so we basically, in this new world today with cloud native um, solutions that are composable experiences, we can start gluing these things together literally overnight. So that's basically what we did there. Yeah, and it, was, it was interesting because the timing is everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so just a few <clears throat> weeks before Jitex, one of our largest BPO customers had said to us, you know, we're having a hard time validating that the people we hire, the people doing the work, that they're the ones that are passing the assessments. You know, what do you have around proctoring and continuous trust? You know, we created this continuous trust envelope. Let's put the learner in a bubble of trust so that we know for a fact who they are and that they are who they say they are and they're the right person, but also not be obtrusive about it. And that's the cool thing I loved about this technology is the user kind of knows that, they're, that there's trust verification going on, but it doesn't get in the way at all. Yeah. I, just, I just love the fact that these two were chatting each other up. I've <laughs> yeah. got Man, who's a marketing leader in the international, say, get a picture of those guys. But in, importantly, if you think about application ecosystems, typically the, the guys that are creating these innovations work in isolation. They're competing. They don't want to develop something and have someone else develop something better. They're, they'll work in their own ways, away from each other. Experience builders is about these guys saying, I want to build experiences with you guys too. I, I could hear the Verin guy. You do with YouTuber Chang, the Verin guy behind yeah. is going, what are they talking about? I want to get on, on this. Yeah. And, the, and the point is that as experience builders, all thinking about composability, combinatorial innovation, where's Kim? I'm going to get into trouble again. We, we are creating an ecosystem that marries to the power of the OneCloud platform. It's a big deal. This is not marketing guff. This is real. These guys coming together is, is a great example of how you exploit the power of a, of a platform like OneCloud. And Tim, you know, you see this all the time. Tim actually is in charge of our experience builder team at Avaya. So if you wanna say a few words about what Sure, I mean, what, what's, what's great about this, this topic is, you know, when, when I look at the, the panelists here, there's a unique opportunity between each and every one of us. You know, when I look at what my team does, we're looking about stitching together any particular component of a customer experience that's gonna make that experience memorable. And each and every one of these guys here has an opportunity to reinvent the, the experience by layering on and stitching together their components of their solutions to create that overall experience. That's yeah. great. Well, I was gonna say, when, when we start talking about stitching things together, right, and, and, and the devil's in the details, right? I, I mean, this is, we all make it sound like, oh, look, there's all these building blocks. Well, those building blocks do something very specific. And so you end up needing things to surround that. You, you need to add reporting, you need to add scale, you need to add a user interface, you need to add a lot of these other things to kind of create the, the everything else. So this is one of the things where, you know, Converge One, we, we have C1 conversations that help rapidly develop those other things. Now, we don't want to build the entire thing from scratch, so we have this, this kind of base platform, and then we can go in and look at all of these other, you know, module building blocks that we can bring in to kind of make it all work together. Like That's Journey's right. identity being a part like, of conversation. It's a, it's a great example of it. You know, <laughs> like, as, was, as you mentioned, you know, identity, you can't find contextually relevant data if you don't know who the person is. So you have to identify them, and it may not be as severe as, 
as authentication, but I have to find something that says, oh, I know something about them, I can change their experience. And then for us, everything is, I don't wanna buy all this stuff. I don't wanna deploy a million dollars worth of servers. I wanna develop something as fast as possible, borrow things that already exist in a microtransaction way so that, you know, hey, God forbid it doesn't work. The proof of concept doesn't play out. Great, it costs you $1.50 in, in microtransactions. Well, and that's yeah. a really good segue to our next topic, which is, you know, a lot of times you can come up with a great idea and you can spend so much time working on the idea itself. But at the end of the day, you know, if you've got something that's pie in the sky, it might not be reality or it might take too long to roll out and you might get to market after you know, someone has already come to market with you know, a different solution that people have grasped onto. So let's talk a little bit about the possibility of versus practicality. When you think about the, the importance, because you're, you're actually right, David. I, I love David. He's such an innovative guy. I'm always talking to him. <laughs> but uh, you, you think about the platform. It's about speed to value applications first and foremost. You need to be able to hit the ground sprinting. Right? You don't want to be starting right in the weeds. Then extensibility by design, things that are designed to plug together, and then the innovation at the edge, where you start to really get into those narrow use cases. This composability thing, actually, one of the examples I really like is around uh, the, you know, the Apple phone. I've got this Apple phone. Brilliant face ID feature. You can just look at this thing. In the UK, I used to use contactless payments a lot. Just look at my, look at my phone and, and pay for something. Then the pandemic come along. We had to wear a mask, and it was completely useless. I mean totally useless. I was wishing I had the thumb thing again. Instead, I was punching in these six digits going, why is this piece of crap? I don't want this phone anymore. And what they did was they said, well, you know what? Let's do, let's tick, I had a tick box on the phone. If you've got your watch on and you've tapped in your code at the beginning of the day, you're already authenticated. As soon as you lift up the phone, you get a haptic response on here. The phone unlocks and you pay. Combinatorial innovation, composability, right? They said, let's not recreate this app. Let's not recreate what we're doing on the watch. Let's compose a solution that combines these things. Speed to value with that extensibility is key. What's actually possible then? I mean, the sky's are the limit. Aren't well, and, and there's a big topic that comes with, with this doability thing. And, and you know, when, when people want to add one little module to something, one new piece of, of innovation, they tend to broaden the scope too much to say, oh, let's, we're gonna have to rip and replace what we had with this brand new platform. And it goes way out of scope, way out of budget, way out of, of expertise, way out of sponsorship you know, from the executive level, and it just grinds to a halt, nothing happens. So to do that, this layered innovation approach, we can get in, add things to what you already have, keep it in scope. I just wanted this one new little cool thing. I don't wanna get rid of everything else I own. And it speeds up this idea of, of taking what's, what's possible to, yeah, can I actually get it done though? If you can't finish it, it's irrelevant. And, and coming back to, to your point earlier about the, the price component, what makes the experience builder so much fun is the fact that we get to put together these ideas and test them before we ever actually go after chasing that dollar. So the idea of innovation experience builders, it's, it's no longer this, let's uh, look at things from the inside and push it outward. It's let's define what that outward expectation is and let's get it right before it ever becomes a thing. So the idea of, ex of, of expecting uh, customers to pay and put some skin in the game up front, we're flipping that story. You know, we wanna prove to you that our technology and this composability story is of value. So we'll do the work up front 
and let the overall solution experience speak for itself. And that's the value. We can see you've been working hard too. Yeah, you know, and it's getting <laughs> easier and easier. You know, we, we lived in a world where, you know, at one point, a lot of people in this room lived through building really hard, complicated CTI applications, do amazing sure. things, but it takes forever, right? Then we get into a world with CPaaS and APIs, and all of a sudden we can start gluing things together. But you know what, there's only certain people that know what to do with APIs. Now we're getting into a world where it's about low-code, no-code kinds of solutions and being able to build experiences and have the people that build those experiences be the people that actually understand the experience that they're trying to build as opposed to telling the engineer in the back room what to do. So the nature of the way these are coming together is completely changing. Mm -hmm. And all these new capabilities basically allow the speed of innovation to just accelerate. Well, and we've talked a lot about, too, that ripping and replacing is not reality, right? Like, everyone's got platform. Everyone's got different solutions that they're already using. And in order to work together, we really need to be able to layer in that innovation, like you said. So let's move a little bit towards that. Alex, you did that with the LMS. You had yeah. the learning management system yeah. at the university, and they said, here, use this. And you're yeah. like, this doesn't work. Yeah. So I need a better experience for my learners. And then you started bringing in your own content, yeah. et cetera, and talk a little bit about the, the whole development, yeah. kind of co-development process. Definitely, yeah. So like, I, I, my department here asked me to not make so many color copies to save money. So I, have, <laughs> I don't have an engineer in the background to do anything. So I, my, as a professor, I, I, I wanted to do something very innovative. I wanted to have virtual machines with Linux environments and teach genetics, like doing real, real compute. I've wanted, I wanted to do that for, I think, 12 years. I taught the same class. And then I wanted to, to shift it over. I met you. And then with the platform, I was able to then do this work, and when something would break or I needed something a little bit different, I could talk to an engineer and they were able to fix it quickly. So I was able to be agile in the classroom and the students are pretty cool with that. They're like, they're, they're okay, especially in the age where people are just dumping PowerPoint videos, yeah. like ad nauseum, and the students are watching them at 2X. If you have uh, high school students, remember, they might be watching their videos at 2X speed and not learning <laughs> anything. I found this out. But to be able to be innovative in, in the platform is very, very flexible to be able to do this. And, and so then you pass some data back to the LMS, so that kept the university happy. And, and so you were able to foster, bring in your own content. And yep. being a scientist, I noticed, you know, we're talking about this doability thing and how, you know, you've got to make it practical. I mean, that's what you live, right? You're yeah. like, do it and then ask questions later. Exactly. Yep. And that's how, it, that's how it happened. What I think is interesting is if you look at the API economy benefits, if you think about CPAS of old, you were starting quite low down the tech stack in terms of the value you could create at the desktop or as part of the application ambition. Things have changed so much with the low-code, no-code thing. Right? And then I was privileged to be judging the hackathon uh, recently. And, and what these guys created in 24 hours absolutely blew my mind. Mostly the robotic arm pouring <laughs> drinks. Ben, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tim. Where is that? We, we um, could use that here right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but the Maybe blending a Bloody of, Mary. of natural language understanding and robotics as part of a customer experience, you know, being able to, uh, I mean, it was a great demo. The guy says, uh, yeah, understands the intents and then it understands the modifiers, less, more, none. So then he goes on and says, uh, yeah, I want a Jack and Coke. And it says, would you like to customize that? He says, more Jack, less Coke. And, yeah, so this is excellent. You remembered that perfect. Oh, yeah. no, I, was, I, was, I was paying too much attention, I'm going to be honest. But uh, yeah, when we You said that before. The pace, the opportunity, the way we're accelerating these things. These guys did it in 24 hours. I saw virtual reality stores in 24 hours. 
Imagine the future of the buying experience. You go in, you can't unbox this thing. Now you can. You go in, take it out of the box, you play with it, you decide if it's too big or small, or too big for my hands, whatever. And then you just hit a buying process and, and, and away you go. You've got your, you know, imagine that in our, our space as an application solutions provider. The potential there is huge. We, we just saw a glimpse of this, didn't we? It was yeah. fantastic. All, all very much uh, under the banner of building experiences. Experience builders, we saw some amazing things. I'll stop talking now and let these. Yeah, and Tim, Tim was actually, you know, you were in the room. You had your yeah, we team were. in the room to kind of help everyone if they needed assistance with the APIs and everything. We, we were there as mentors for those for those two days. And, and just real quick, I have to ask, ask the audience, show of hands, how many people know what the metaverse is? Well, in 24 hours, our Spaces platform was was embedded into the metaverse. Now I've heard about it, right? There's this, this talk of what the next gen virtual reality world is gonna be, but little did I think stepping into this hackathon would we have our spaces, UCAS platform embedded in the metaverse. And that was just one example. You know, Simon had mentioned the robotic arm. And I was just thinking earlier when, when Brett was talking about the importance of identity. Well, here's a great use case to remove that sketchy bartender from stealing stealing the ID. And as part of that robotic arm experience, the customer had to verify their, their ID prior to being served. So they're not gonna serve someone who's underage. So that was a, a real cool use case. Uh, we also had the opportunity to see a drone use case where it was designed for disaster recovery. So the, the use case was to fly a drone to provide real-time video leveraging a spaces room leveraging AI as part of the analytics to determine what the disaster recovery was. So what it, what it ultimately ended up doing was it gave the first responders the opportunity to know what they were going to be triaging, if that's a word, before they actually got there. And at the same time, it gave a virtual team the opportunity to look at the, the analysis of that, that procedure. So as in, in a disaster recovery type scenario, the Tim, one thing I want to add about that was that one also had a really interesting angle around volunteerism in that they had found some volunteers in the area who could help with the disaster recovery, right, right. and they used the spaces learning environment to build a course to upskill well. them mm -hmm. instantly, like in five minutes. Okay, now you know how to do this. Now report to this facility. We can certify that you know what you're doing. So it was a really amazing it, use case. It really was, and, and that took second, right? So... That got first, second. Yeah, first place. Who, who won, David? First oh, place. <laughs> oh, is that, is that where I come in? <laughs> That's the transition. Thank you. Transition. Thank you. Yeah. It's a uh, toss. <laughs> so, you know, we did, you heard, uh, we did the meeting minion. We actually called him Marty, Marty the meeting minion. And it, it solved the issue that every single one of us has of you get double booked. People don't pay attention to your calendar and they just start scheduling stuff. And we all make the decision about, well, which one should I go to and which one God, if I only had somebody who could go in my place. So we said, well, we can Marty. do that. We, we, so it's Marty, my, and Marty could, could join. We tied together a whole bunch of different technologies. Part of it was because we wanted to see how, how much we could get in there, but we used an Amazon Alexa to, uh, to initiate it where you say, hey, Marty, I need you to join a meeting for me. It says, when's the meeting? Oh, it's tomorrow at three. Okay, great. What's the meeting number and, and the access code? Okay, great, I'll, I'll go in. And we basically attach a bot to it, and Marty will ask the, the user, well, what would you like me to pay attention to? Hey, anytime they mention the word budget shortfall or third quarter or SBCs, 
and of course my name. I need you to text me. Um, so I'm off in my meeting, and Marty's kind of sitting in this other meeting on my behalf and, and keeping me posted on how that other meeting is going. And so we use spaces for that as the kind of the show to how, how to handle the, the, the work stream collaboration part, the conferencing part. We use CPAS from not only the dialing in and the SMS to send back and forth. Again, all created in a very short period of time with very, I think the whole experiment cost us in transactions maybe $3. Yep. Obviously, there was people and there was all those you know, that, to do that. Now, the one thing I will admit we haven't really accounted for is if this becomes so incredibly popular, I can yeah. see a, a conference call with only Marty. <laughs> like just a whole bunch of Martys talking to each other. That can be really bad. We haven't thought through how to handle that yet. But As long uh, as they're texting the real recipients, that's right. it doesn't matter. But the magic band thing, I mean, the, you yeah, know, the yeah. Disney band thing, these guys go and say, oh, and by the way, it can use software-based radio on your laptop to provide additional physical presence sure. information about, around whether you're near your machine. And then you talked about tire pressures, to measure if you've been in your car, yeah. and I was thinking, Well, and, and, and the, wow. this is the interesting part, is right, there's no way we could have done that if I had to build all that stuff from scratch. Right. No way, yeah. it, that's impossible, it'd be months, if not years. And so the fact that we were able to borrow these exposed APIs from a lot of different vendors, not just Via, and then it, you know, our part was, how do you stitch that together? It goes back to the okay. stitching together, and that we used our own C1 conversations that I could build those work streams and workflows quickly and you know, behind the scenes get the kind of analytics that we needed and, and to monitor it, to report on it. And mm. there's just no way you could have fast-tracked something like that uh, without having all of that pre It's like a cornucopia of It's a cornucopia. A cornucopia <laughs> of experience building blocks <laughs> that you could put together on the fly in 24 hours. But, but it's, a, it's a really important point. We're in this booming experience economy. We want these really quite precise use cases to be satisfied. We, we're, we're really enjoying this evolution. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't buy an app for that. You're not going to go and buy a single app for that. You need to be able to compose solutions. And so the focus in terms of the platform is around empowering that ability, not, you know, not uh, ignoring the importance of having those speed-to-value apps. You can just pop open a browser and use but really keenly focused on the importance of being able to compose these extensible solutions beyond that. And then Todd did a phenomenal job, I thought, yesterday, talking about this media processing call that truly is revolutionary. I mean, it changes the game. Um, but yeah, I was hearing about a via orchestration and a via CPAS, and this is what we built with, and I was just sat there pretty proud about it. Really good stuff. Yeah. Well, and with the hackathon too, I mean, it was incredible to see because people would go present their ideas that they'd only had a few hours or days to, to create, but then you could see everyone else in the room going, ooh, what if this? Have you thought of this? And that's really what it, being an experience builder is all about, right? It's about like learning from what everyone else has done. Yeah to yeah. kind of create something that's better. And, yeah. and if I could just make one, one last comment, and, and yeah. I think it's, I'm, I'm stating the obvious. You know, if you're gonna do this right, you're never gonna sell a technology that's gonna be the experience. You have to build it. And I mean, through what we talked about just now is, is just the tip of the iceberg. The possibilities of, of what can be done in this space are, are truly endless. But it's no longer daunting, right? No, not you know, at all. Citizen and it's not expensive either. Right? It's not expensive there either. There you go. The right. world has changed. So this has been great, and we could talk all day we long. Should. And we should. We should. Yeah, why not? We should. Yeah. So, <laughs> <an> empty room. <laughs> but we'll definitely get back together, and we'll try to create some videos and things to share. 
Laura, phenomenal job. We yeah. Massive thank you to our panellists. So I hope you agree. These guys are great. Real pleasure being on stage with you. Thank you. Really thank you. Great opportunity. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this special episode of The Experience. If you'd like to learn more about some other talks from Avaya Engage or how Avaya is empowering partners and customers to build user experiences, please visit the Avaya website at engage.avaya.com forward slash Orlando 21. If you'd like to learn more about some of the other talks from Avaya Engage or how Avaya is empowering partners and customers to build user experiences, please visit the Avaya website at engage.avaya.com forward slash Orlando 21. If you learned something, please leave us a review and tell us what it was. I'm Steve Forkham, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences. <laughs>